You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. We've been interviewing people. We call it an interview, right? It's more like, just, it's more like a conversation. I wanted to interview my friend Drew. You know, I'm going to introduce Drew and then he's going to come up. And we're going to talk for a few minutes. Um, but Drew is one of my best friends. And what's interesting about Drew is he's become a best friend. He's not like a, we didn't know each other when we were real, real young. But over the past 10 years or so, we've become really good friends. And Drew has played a really pivotal part in my coming to know Jesus and coming to be feeling like a child of God. Drew's played a really big part in that. He's also, like that commercial, the most interesting person I've, I know. He really, he really is. We could just talk all night and get lost, and it would be, Drew's just such an interesting guy. But we're sort of going with this theme tonight about, um, it just kind of happened, but this idea that uh, God is showing up in the most unlikely places. And when it seems the darkest that's when it, that's, God can show up, you know. And Drew's life kind of is like that. He kind of has the life of like an Old Testament prophet. I'm going to give him a chance. <laughs> I'm really like setting the bar high, man, so you got to bring the goods. Um, but he's, he's got this, he has a really interesting story. I mean, we're not going to get to all of it. We're just going to, we're just going to focus, I think, on a, on a little bit of it. Um, but Drew has a lot of moments where that grace showed up. So if you could... Give him some love, and we're going to bring Drew up here. Come on up. Yes. Okay. You sure you don't want to do all of it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Drew. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. This is, we've, we've been threatening to do this for a long time. Yeah. So, let me just, I'm just going to kind of set him up, and then I'm going to let him go. Um. We were sort of, we've been wanting to do this with, for you guys for a while, and we were trying to find the right way to do it, and um, he and I met earlier this week, and, and we were talking about, okay, let's sort of call this meeting Finding God in the Valleys, right? That's what we called it. We thought that was kind of cool. That's what I called it. I, you had nothing to do it. I don't know. <laughs> so, but, but then, last night, I get a text from Drew when I'm sort of feeling low, okay? I get a text from Drew, and he's like, Pat... I want to talk about my struggles with addiction. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about addiction. I don't want to, you don't have to sit, you don't have to be, what did you say? You don't have to. I need you to protect me. Protect me. That's right. Yeah. Protect me. And, and, and you're like, I want to tell this story and I, and I want to show, I, I want to share some moments that I, where I experienced God's grace in, in the most unlikely places. Yeah. All right. All right. It's kind of echoey. Yeah, let me, yeah. let me. Continue. You got to actually listen, you got to put, put your mouth Microphone. Yeah. Like, pump it up. Okay. Drew has like a boomy, masculine voice, so we don't need to be. Thanks, man. Together. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks you know, for inviting me out. I uh, want to look at you. All right. <laughs> hey, All right, go ahead, man. Let's do it. Okay, so was there a question or just start could talking? You, yeah, could you just start, like, tell us a little bit about um, how you. How you started your walk with God, and then where, when things—I guess we could say—kind of started to go wrong. Okay. 
Well, I grew up in the church, as you know. Um, I grew up, you know, Christian. Went to a private school. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I had a good spiritual foundation, you know? I had family members that took care of me, you know, prayed with me, I learned to pray, developed a relationship with God at a young age, you know? Um, I mean, I just, I just get right into it, you know? So like, I, I got, I was like 12 years old, and three very important people to me died. Uh, my uncle, my aunt, and my grandfather, they all died, two of them from drug overdoses. Um, and then my grandfather, he had cancer. Um, and so, I don't know, that affected me, plus probably just like a rough childhood anyway, you know, crazy parents and things like that, you know, a lot of, a lot of physical abuse, mental abuse, you know. Um, so, I don't know, I just started getting high when I was 13. I failed seventh grade, I went to a private school, I failed seventh grade. I had to go to public school seventh grade, which was ridiculous. You know, I I I felt like I felt really I felt really small having to do that. Go to seventh grade again. So I just found my coping in alcohol, smoking weed. You know, and I don't know. It was a little music. Yeah. You know, I learned how to play guitar around that age, so it was a huge part. What were you gonna ask me? Your all right. So what? Where, where? Where was your faith at here? Was your yeah. I you know, I don't know. I guess I really didn't get serious about Christ until probably after I was sober some little bit. You know, yeah. I used to go even though I went to a Christian school. I would go to church and just go to sleep. I didn't care. <laughs> you know, like when you're a kid. I mean, probably some kids care. I didn't. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I, I just did a bunch of drugs from you know thirteen to nineteen, mm -hmm. I guess. That was, I, that was when we kind of started hanging out. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, we all worked at the same store together, and you know, I got a girlfriend. And I got sober. Those two things happened, mm -hmm. and. I remember Drew would tell me he would be like, yeah, but he would play, he'd walk around with his Bible. And he knew his Drew knows his Bible. You would you would walk around with your Bible. Well, maybe you didn't with your Bible, but was I you, wearing? You were shoes? very you were very like very conservative. Yeah. And you would be like you'd be talking to me about Jesus and stuff, and you'd be like, oh, I used to smoke crack too, but. <laughs> and I and I was just I had I didn't know what to do with yeah no I thought you were like the most I couldn't I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Okay, so <laughs> that's why I just added right. So, so okay, those two things did probably happen. I did probably smoke crack, and I did. Pro I used to talk to everybody about God. Yeah. I don't know. It was just that was my thing, you know. Um, yeah, I, I and I probably would do that for dramatic effect. Oh. I probably was just trying to. I don't know what I was doing, honestly. Maybe trying to get a rise out of some, whoever. But yeah, I mean, I guess there was a part of me that wanted to bring uh, this element of reality to the situation because mm. a lot of my Christian friends and people in my Christian circles were just, I don't know. I, I don't know what if there's even a term. They just seemed very Christianese, you know, very just 
naive, maybe. Mm. You know, I'm over here like fighting dragons. You know, to me, I'm like losing battles left and right, mm. and just trusting in God that you know something's going to change, maybe. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's probably mm. that was probably a little bit of that. So what happens at 19? You get sober, you meet this cool girl. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it just, it was, probably wasn't even on purpose, honestly. It was just happened, mm. you know, and like the girl became my, you know, uh, my, my thing. We got engaged, we lived together for two years. <clears throat> I think I was sober for five years. Mm. We, uh, you know, that didn't work out. It just, we, you know, we, we didn't work out, that's all. And then, you know, I was fine for a couple of years. I went to, I went to Camp Halawasa. I met, you know, cool people at Camp Christian, oh, Christian camp. It was a Christian camp. camp. You know, there are people in the audience who know about this camp. Yeah. I have possibly even partaken in it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put anybody on, on you know, harass, but Steve. That, okay. That's the okay. second one. Yeah. He's not here. You know? uh, I met Steve at Camp Alawasa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, so during that time, I kind of avoid, I just want to put this out there. I kind of avoided Drew at this point because he was so intense with his faith. Like it was, I, I remember one time, Pat, you were like, <laughs> you were like, Drew, I've I've played the game before, man. I'm like, bro, I was probably like game, nineteen, dude. right? I'm yeah. like twenty. I'm like a game. It's not a game, dude. This is like spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what happened. Um, some things built up. Uh, some I had these expectations of certain things would happen in my life at a certain time, and they didn't happen. I don't know. I think that I was just walking around angry all the time. You know, uh, I hated my boss who I worked for. I couldn't stand her, and so I quit. I told her I don't like you, so I'm quitting, and I quit. I tried heroin for the first time, mm. and um, so that was basically like the next six years. Mm. It was just a heroin addict, and you know during that time it was just a bunch of crazy, nonstop craziness. Mm. Jail, high speed chases. Everything you can probably imagine is just, you know, I don't know. I made it out somehow. Mm. You know? I remember you told me, Drew would call me, you call me from jail? Or, or you you would get out and you would... Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever called you from jail. Yeah. But I remember you, right during this was week, because Drew and I were kind of staying in touch through all this. Um, and I remember you telling me that one... You, you, you had to do like a solitary confinement thing. And I remember you telling me that you were on your knees the whole time in prayer yeah. for like 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I forget what the circumstance was, but I, I was in uh, confinement for about a day and a half. And I, I had put in a request to talk to the, uh, the chaplain, you know, um, a while ago, and, and there was no, yeah, I saw him in the hallway, I'm like, hey, chaplain, I'm trying to hang out with you for like an hour, you know? Because he would do that, you know, you get like one-on-ones, you know, hang out with him. And he's like, yeah, 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 keep chirping at me. 
And that was it. I was like, yeah. So I kind of gave up. And then, I don't know, there's nothing to do in solitary confinement, so I just prayed. I had done things like this before. I just wanted to see. I wanted to have, you know, like a Moses moment or a Elijah moment, have God appear to me. So I pray for three or four hours straight. Nothing ever really happened except for that, you know, I felt that my relationship with God was, you know, I was getting closer to God, you know, in those moments. But yeah, so no, I prayed for a really long time. I was on my knees for hours. And lo and behold, the chaplain appears out of nowhere. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that happened. I was, I, I know one of the, the things that was really amazing for me was Drew was so I remember before all this happened, I was I just wasn't like I would I wasn't sure what to make of his faith, you know. And as he was going through this, he just he clung to it even more. And it, 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 I mean, he struggled, of course, you know. But you were so you you were tested, and it was refined, and and it, and it came out like a beautiful pearl, you know. And it was I I was amazed by it. It was awesome. So. <clears throat> The first time I went to jail, I was, you know, I didn't know what it was like. I was super scared. I was, you know, I called mom and dad, please get me out. Sorry, we can't. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> so I was in jail for, you know, a horrific 19 days. And uh, I got out and I changed my life for about a month. And then, you know, whatever, stuff happened. And I did, you know, some other terrible things probably. And I ended up in jail again. And this time I knew I was just going to be there for a long time. And you were looking at years. Yeah. At one point with all of my stuff stacked up, you know, potentially seven or eight years total, you know. Um, so I, I go into jail and there's, there's no, there's no quarter date set bail is like a trillion dollars you know they're just like nah we're gonna keep them in here for a while so i you know i don't know i've heard somewhere that after about two weeks you're, you're like you physically just like settle into a place you accept it like in the military a lot of people drop out and they're in boot camp in two weeks or you know you just like things happen in two weeks so about two weeks in i was okay this is my home now so I started praying, started reading, and I started, I, I made I made a friend in there, this kid Anthony, and we started praying together, and I was, you know, I, I, I just accepted my lot. Like, mm -hmm. I did the crime, here I am, you know. So we started praying together, and, you know, nobody probably knows this, but Cumberland County Jail, uh, I was in Cumberland County Jail this time, I've been to a bunch of different ones, but. Cumberland County Jail has a church service, but it's not like, it's just not, you know, nobody goes, it's not great, it's very nothing. Salem County, you know, the church there was pretty cool. Anyway, I'm in Cumberland County, I meet up with this guy, we start praying, reading, studying together. And it's not long, and people are coming to our cell, our, our, you know, 
Like so cell. Yeah, not not that not our cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An actual jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> not one of those fake jail cells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. But it may as well have been, you know, a cell because bloods, you know, Muslims, gang members were coming in and they wanted to pray with us and they wanted us to pray over them because, you know, they saw they saw God in us. They saw, you know, how serious we were taking it. And um, they believed, they believed in our God. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was like a moment of grace in a really dark place. That old, that, that's the valley, you know, it was God's grace in a valley right there. There's plenty of stories like that, and there's plenty of times. Um, we started a worship team in Salem County Jail with, with a guy who was a high up MS 13 guy who was, you know, he had three murder charges he was going to court for, and he's in there. I remember standing next to him, singing, uh, Knowing You, Jesus, and just like scoping this guy out, he's bawling his eyes out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, God's grace is for everybody. You know? mm -hmm. I really believe that. I'm looking at this guy who's, you know, allegedly murdered three people quite possibly a real conversion. I, mean, I don't know, you know. There was, there was something for me that was really touching about moments like that where you're in there with a bunch of violent criminals and you're worshiping God together. Wow. I don't consider myself a violent criminal. More, more so a daredevil and someone who just, you know, is a bit apathetic about their own life. There's so much to talk about here, but I want to get a chance for you guys to give us some, some thoughts. But before we move into that, real quick, he's looking at, Jakur's looking at five, six, seven years jail time. We're praying, and it doesn't happen. You're here. Yeah. Not only are you here, you're, you're sober, and you're getting ready to go to college to be a, what? Tell us. Tell us. This is, this is some grace right here. Okay, yeah. So, uh... When I got sober the first time, I wanted to become a drug and alcohol counselor. I always felt like I would be some sort of a counselor. I feel like it kind of comes natural to me. Um, and this just seemed the perfect fit. So I go to school, I get a couple semesters, behind my belt, I relapse, I get in trouble, go down to Florida. And then, you know, Florida changed me. I, I don't know, we can get into that another time, but Florida, I was just, I don't know, a couple, couple of things lined up and I was, I was just done. It was an actual moment where I realized, like, this is, I'm, this is over. Mm. Yeah. So I go to Florida, I come back, you know, I get all my uh, legal ducks in a row. And, yeah, so I, um, um, I reached out to, you know, Circle of Hope to help me a little bit. I had some uh, financial obligations before I could uh, go back to, to the school and finish this degree. And... God had provided through Circle of Hope, you know, mm. which is huge because I, I really feel like this is a calling mm. for my life, you know. Um, it's a perfect fit for me. I, you know, I'm involved in, in you know, recovery. I'm involved um, not as much as I used to be, but I'm still involved up here. I still have uh, two people from Florida that call me that I sponsored. You know, when you're in recovery or in AA meetings, you sponsor new people and you know I've developed relationships with people down there. 
So, so this is um, this is real life. You know, this is this is God's grace for sure, yeah, big time. Awesome. Why don't we? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any comments? Questions? Let's do it. Deja was like right up. Deja's first. Go ahead. I just wanted to know, like, how did you keep manage to keep your faith mm. all of that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Um. to me about that all the time you're like I don't know about this man you know it's funny you talk about anger because th there's some moments some really dark moments that I don't even know or even like should even be mentioned inside of a church with anybody that goes but like I was super angry at God 100% like, appropriate for inside a church <laughs> amen <laughs> I I would do things on purpose to spite God because I hated my life. Yeah. You know? I'd be like, yeah. You know, and then do this weird thing or whatever. But I never like not I think maybe I wanted to not believe him, but I, I don't know. I I don't know. That's a good question. Something something real mysterious is going on there, right? Like well, I think you're answering the question right now, Drew. Okay. Because you had a relationship with God that you couldn't deny and that you kept having. Like, like when you were spiting God, that was really good relating with God because your life was spiteful and difficult and hard. And, like, yeah, you were cursing God like Job refused to do, but it was a, it was still like you were actually in relationship with God. Yeah. That, that, you know, like, a lot of people reduce their... their kind of uh, religiosity to like doing the right thing. So when you start doing the wrong thing, your religion is dead. But if you have a relationship with God, you can be a heroin addict and follow Jesus. You can be a convicted murderer and follow Jesus because it's about this like personal connection. And I think that's, that's something that you, yeah, that's the mystery, I don't know, but it seems, it just always seemed true to you. The only thing I would add to that is like, I could have a relationship with Pat, but I could completely deny that relationship, you know, and never talk to you again. I'd be fine. I was definitely headed that way with God, but he still left me like a little breadcrumb trail, you know? I, I can't really explain in detail what that's like, but you know, I don't know. He would just show up in little glimpses Pat doesn't do that for me. <laughs> you know? Pat, Ben, you guys don't do that. You're great. So hard. You're great, but it doesn't happen like that. I think there is an aspect where God calls. You know? God calls and pulls me closer when I'm not doing it myself. Um, and that makes me fall in love with him even more. So God, I know. Okay. Is there like a particular Bible verse or chapter or something that, that you would go to or something that like kind of would enter your head when you were praying, especially during time, like if you're in like solitary confinement and you're like at your lowest, was there like, did you have like a, a verse you'd go to or some kind of like a mantra or, you know, like. 
I'm gonna sound crazy right now, mm. but yes, uh, there is a verse, and I don't remember any of it. Psalm 91, I read mm. that a million times. I remember having this conversation with you too. Mm -hmm. It's just a very comforting song, you know? So, it's my dad's favorite song. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, I remember. I remember having that conversation with you. You know, he who takes shelter in the, sh in the most high will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, very poetic, yeah. beautiful. You know, there's a part where he talks about his feathers. He's going to cover you in his feathers. I'm going to be covered in God's feathers. Protects you from the terror by night. Yeah, you know, because there's a lot of terror by night going on in here. A drug addict, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but not even that, just, you know, I've used that Bible verse for a lot of different things. Yeah. The Psalms specifically, you know, yeah. But that one I've gone to a lot, probably more than any other one for being reminded of, of God's care over my life, of God's watching. You know, so. We've got a few more minutes. Anybody else? Anything going on? drug addicts to help them while they're using I don't know whatever yeah while they're while they're using sure while they're using I don't know that's a tough one right because uh, you really just don't stop until you're ready I think that's at least that's my my own personal experience and what I've also seen in other people I mean I've seen people say great big bold things and actually get some time on their belt and then something happens you know the core was it was it the core belief in themselves wasn't really there I, I don't know i think you just you know you just gotta get beat up enough that for me that's what it was uh i mean i would always try to offer some encouragement um you know just say like don't you want to live your life I mean, you don't have to. My thing for me, this is what was most important. You know, I would wake up every day sick and I'd have to go get high just to get function. You know, and then you know after that it was get high to get high. Um, but that was my life. It was terrible, terrible existence. I wanted my life back. You know, I didn't never play guitar. I never like drew pictures. I never had conversations or did research. And I never had any fun. I was just all about, you know, trying to get a chemical fix. Um, so for me, having my life back and building relationships with people and, you know, having, like, just fun was huge for me. You know, being able to have goals and accomplishments. I would try to sell them that. But, I mean, even in the moments, I did want that, but I just didn't care enough because, you know, I just wasn't ready. And I think that's where a lot of people are at. Once, once someone is ready, though, I mean, there's a, you know, I, I think that I'm pretty encouraging that kind of thing. You know? I like to, I'm an encourager, among other things. So I, I would just, you know, tell them all that, like, look, man, I'm gonna be with you. We're gonna, we're gonna accomplish a lot of goals together. We're gonna make a lot of money together, kid. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do great. I don't know. <laughs> things like that. Yeah, like. 
given what you know about addiction, and I understand it's like a like a cycle, and there's it has its own life or something. Like, is if so for people who know someone who's addicted or come into acquaintance with someone who has addiction issues, like, do you have like you know, uh, nutshell kind of wisdom about that. Like, well, how? Because it seems so impossible. I know we've had people, you know, come into the church before, you know, who are kind of struggling through it, and it just—it seems like you don't even know if, if you're helping. Mm-hmm. You know, to—I don't know. Like, what's your wisdom about that? Hmm. <clears throat> well, every situation is different. You know? If the person's a heroin addict, I would say the toughest love possible because they're going to die. You know, when you're doing heroin, they're going to die. Um, so you beg them, you stop. You know, it depends. You know, is it your son? Is it your wife? Is it your, who is it? Yeah, it's just Naranon and Alanon meetings. I would I would recommend them. Getting connected with people that are in the same kind of situation is ultimately the um, that's where the healing is, because then you can brainstorm together, you kind of huddle together, you know, kind of like we do here. They do in their very secular way, uh, dealing with, um, you know, families in distress over, over addictions. So I would, I would go with them to a meeting. I'd be like, all right, listen, I know some people, and we're going to go meet some new people and figure out how to do this together. Yeah. Ultimately, you'd want to get that person into a treatment. Treatment center. Can you say more about the being ready piece? Like, it sounds like you're saying it's hard to help somebody before they're ready. Yeah. What's that like? Like, what's the ready thing? I mean, I said, so, so I'll get even more personal. My dad is in active addiction, and there's very much part of me that's just let it go. You know, there's nothing I can do. He's a grown man. If he wants to do heroin, then that's what he's going to do. So there's there's a very sad aspect to, you know, I'm watching him die. He's overdosed five times this year. I've been there for four of them. I've had to call 911 myself. The last time was very scary. He wasn't breathing. You know, um, sitting there smack on his face like, hey, wake up. You know, just short of doing CPR on. I mean, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Well, it's close to the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is the person passes away. But yeah, I, I mean, people lose their homes. They lose their families. They get divorced. You know, they get excommunicated. Their kids never talk to them again. And it doesn't, that's not enough to stop them from getting high. It's crazy. Yeah, you just hope and pray for the best. Really, that's the only thing that we could do, is hope and pray, offer the tools, treatment, you know, groups of people that love you and care for you, but at the end of the day, it's gotta be a person's decision. And they're not gonna, you know, if you wanna get high, you're gonna get high. Can we end the time with some prayer for those people that are stuck right there? We're out of time, I wanna do something next, but I think we should pray for for those people that, that are just stuck right there. You know, what, what's it, I don't know what's going to take for them either. And I don't know what to do but pray. 
Yeah, I'll pray for us. If, uh, I'll give a little bit of space if anybody wants to pray afterward. Maybe, maybe uh, if, if you want to join us. Let's, let's, let's pray for Drew's dad right now, too. Lord, thank you so much for Drew. Thank you for his, his love for you. Thank you for your, for your pursuing of him, constantly pursuing. Thank you for his wisdom, Lord, that you're giving him, that he's sharing with us tonight. Lord, addiction is, it's evil. It's, it's an evil power. And I think I bet all of us here are touched by it, are marked by it. And we don't know what to do, Lord. We don't know what the right program is. We don't know what the right words are to say. And we're turning to you. We're turning to you tonight. This little, this little group right here, Lord. This little faithful community. We're lifting up these people. Lord, each, each one of us could probably name half a dozen people right off the top of their head that are struggling with this, Lord, this evil power. We pray that you lift something. <coughs> you put that decision in their minds to stop them. And that you put us and others in the place to provide that help, to give that tough love, to go with them to a meeting, to encourage them, Give us that capacity. If it's not us, Lord, send send others who are prepared. I want to pray specifically for Drew's dad tonight, Lord. Pray that you do something. Maybe you work a miracle, Lord. We ask for a miracle. That he would decide that he's ready to stop. Something would happen. It would be different this time, Lord. It'd be from you. God, pursue others the way that you have pursued Drew. Jesus, thank you for prayer. Thank you for this direct line that we have. Help us remind us of how powerful it is and how much you love to hear from us. And thank you for this time that we can spend where we can just shoot from the hip and we can, we can pull out a corporate prayer meeting right here, Lord. We can lift up our, our people who are suffering and believe that you're here and that you hear our prayer. We sign that tonight. Thank you so much for all these wonderful people here tonight. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Drew, thank you, man. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.